How are we doing? You're all right? I'll do the best I can to project. I don't know if I have a teacher voice, but I'll do, do my best. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, thanks for this morning. And I pray as we look at what you've done here uh, in this place and in this time as we read, Lord, you would remind us of your compassion and your grace for us for today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you, uh, as we've been going through Mark, uh, we're, we've got one more sermon. Actually, Kelsey Ann's going to preach next week, which I'm really excited about. And she's going to preach our last Mark sermon before we head into Advent, and we're going to take a little break from Mark. Um, but as we're heading through Mark, we're almost on the first half of the book. And the big question through Mark is, who is Jesus? At least the first half of Mark is, who is Jesus? And this, uh, this pair of stories here that Audrey read for us, reveals that answer once again. Now, if you've ever been in church or you've been in Sunday school, these are pretty familiar stories, hey? This is feeding 5,000. Yep, pretty, pretty used to that one. Uh, walking on the water, very cool. Yep, used to that one. And, and then a little tag on at the end that we've got of Jesus healing some people. Uh, perfect, great, wonderful. These are familiar stories for those of us that grew up in church. Uh, I was listening to my pastor back in Vancouver, Aaron Roberts, uh, preach on this passage. And I'm a bit indebted to him. I, so there are some things he said that were really good. And uh, so I'm going to be sharing some of those. And I, I can hear Aaron saying, because I've asked him this before. I said, Aaron, can I share what you said about this and this? And he goes, Nick, if I said anything that was useful at all, just go for it. <laughs> he said, it's all there in the Bible anyway, Nick. You're just preaching the same passage. It's not my stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's what's already there. So all that said... Uh, I'm indebted to Aaron because he has helped me with this passage. But anyway, the first thing I want us to notice is uh, we're going to walk through the passage. So if you have your Bibles open and you can have a little bit of daylight, that's ideal. Uh, But the first thing I want us to notice is the stark contrast between Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the previous meal right before it. And do you remember what that meal was? We didn't read it, but we were there last week. And it's Herod. It's Herod's party where he beheaded John the Baptist. And I just want you to notice the contrast between Herod, who's a bit of a political pawn, who's uh, you know, being pulled this way and that in terms of his opinions uh, by whoever can uh, you know, kind of give him power. He's beheading prophets, beheads John the Baptist. He feels sorry about it, but he does it anyway. Here you have Herod, who's corrupt, uh, you know, kind of lost. And in contrast to that, you have Jesus, who's the true king, who's showing deep compassion for people and actually providing for them, not beheading, but loving them and feeding them and giving them life. What a contrast, right? Between who's the real king here? Is it Herod or is it Jesus? And I think it's neat how Mark puts those stories back to back and, uh, and kind of asks you, like, pay attention. Look how different this is, right? Look how different. The second thing I want us to notice is that there's a real edge to this story. And if you look at verse 52, and I'm going to do my best because I can't quite see. <laughs> but if you look at verse 52, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, after the walking on the water. Notice what Mark does talking about the disciples. Look at verse 52. Verse 51, 52. So Jesus gets into the boat with the disciples. The wind ceased. They were utterly astonished. This has happened once before, but they're shocked again. They did not understand about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. Mark wants us to pay attention 
to the disciples' response in this story. Yes, it's a fantastic miracle. It's brilliant. It displays something important about God's heart for us, which we're going to get to. But notice that Mark draws the loaves and the walking on water together and says they didn't understand the walking on the water because they didn't get the loaves. And there's something easy for us to miss. That just like the disciples, if we don't understand why those two go together and what Jesus is getting at. The disciples missed it and they had been hanging out with him for some time now. I think it's easy for us to miss it too and just see these as kind of unrelated things. But in Jesus' mind and in Mark's mind as he's putting this together, uh, they are all pointing to one very important thing and we're going to get there. We're going to get there. What's going on here? The disciples miss out on it. So let's kind of walk through, the path. now that you know that's kind of happening, you're coming up to that once you get through the two stories, that they don't get it, let's walk through what actually happened. So look back at me, back with me to verse 30. The disciples were just sent out on their first kind of short-term itinerant ministry trip, right? They're just coming back from that, they're talking about what's happened, they're back to Jesus, they're excited, you know, we prayed for this guy and he got healed and we... We, we shared the message of the kingdom with this person. They repented and they, they said, I'm going to follow God again, right? Like the, we cast out this demon. Like it was really cool. This is exciting stuff, right? They're very excited. Lots of adventures. And, and we get the sense, Jesus says, okay, let's, let's come away and have a retreat. <laughs> you guys need a break? And uh, you get this sense right away in verse 35. Many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. So, as the disciples have come back and they're meeting up with Jesus again to tell them all the exciting things that have gone down, it seems like there's also a good group of people have kind of followed along and have kind of swarmed them. They follow them back to the meeting with Jesus. Everyone's exhausted at this point, but the people keep coming and going. They can't even eat. They can't stop to eat. This is pretty busy, right? They can't even stop to eat. And so Jesus says, hey, let's grab this boat. And uh, we'll take off over here and get a bit of a rest. So they hop in and it says, verse 32, they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. And you're going to hear that word come up again, desolate place by themselves. So off they go. Now verse 32, 34, now they're in the desolate place. And uh, it seems like the people realize what's going on. They see, it's like they're watching on the shore and they see them go that way. And they go, Let's cut them off at the pass. You know? <laughs> we'll meet them there. <laughs> they can't get away. So they're off in the boat, and, it, and it's like a big crowd goes, ha-ha, and like rushes, you know, runs down the beach, and meets them there. And so uh, the desolate place is no longer very desolate. And so they get to where Jesus is trying to have his prayer retreat, right, with the disciples, and uh, everyone's already there. And you get this great line, verse 34. He went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus is inviting the disciples into into rest. They've been in mission. They're, They're ready for rest. The people won't let up. What does Jesus do? Well, he has compassion on them. And look what happens right after that. He began to teach them Many things. Not even he began to teach them a little bit. Jesus starts to unpack the goods, right? They're exhausted. But the crowd is there. The need is before them. And rather than saying, we're just going to have to wait, Jesus engages with the people. 
I think there's something important for us there in terms of our own engagement with people who need to hear the message of the gospel, of who is right in front of you. And sometimes you may not feel like it's uh, the opportune moment to try and talk about your faith or, or talk about what Jesus has done in your life. Um, but are we willing and do we have compassionate hearts to engage with the person in front of us when that person's there? And as much as Jesus is tired and the, and the disciples are tired, Jesus starts to teach. Isn't it interesting? He has compassion in his heart, so he starts to teach. Sometimes the compassionate thing, folks, that, that we need is to hear the truth of the gospel. You know, for some people that are, that are you know, locked in, in addictions or, or sin or, or habits of being, lifestyle that's just not... Uh, it, it's leading them to death. It's not good. And the, the, the remedy for that is a loving application of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The compassionate thing is to share the gospel. And I think it's interesting. Yes, Jesus is going to feed them physically, but first he starts to feed them spiritually. So the loving response is to share the gospel. That's an act of compassion. So remember these things we've been told, desolate place, desolate place, sheep without a shepherd, right? These are some of the words that are, that are being used. Now look at verse 35. It was growing late. His disciples came to him. They're likely totally spent at this point, right? <laughs> Jesus has just started teaching again. It's really late. What do the disciples say? It's a, it's a desolate place. There you go again. Why do we keep being told that? It's a desolate place. The hour's now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. This sounds like a fairly reasonable thing to ask, right? They're not saying, we never want to see them again. They're saying, just send them off and let them feed themselves and we can have our downtime, thankfully, because we just had our short-term mission trip, right? We are very important. <laughs> we can have our downtime, they can come back, we can carry on. And Jesus, in verse 37 gets up in their faces about it. What does he say? You give them something to eat. It's like Jesus is saying, listen, if you're really worried about them, you do something about it. If you really love them, you go do something about it. And he gives them a chance, right? He gives them a chance to do something. And what's the response? They say basically, well, no, it's too hard we're tired, we don't have enough money, we don't have the resources, we don't have the right whatever to pull this off, right? The need is too great, and we can't possibly do it on our own. Hi, bud. Are you okay? <laughs> He's got a bottle. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> we can't do it on our own. So Jesus does it instead. And look at verse 40. Verse 39, verse 40. He commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. That's going to be important later on. And then he multiplies the fish and the loaves. Everyone eats and everyone's satisfied. So the disciples say, we don't want to do it. We're not, we're not qualified. You know, we, we don't have the money. It's not, it's not worth it. There's too many people with too many needs. I don't feel like being involved. Jesus does it anyway. And there's a bit of a sting to it, right? Because remember verse 52, when you get to the end, 
they didn't understand about the loaves. And there's something here I think the disciples don't like that Jesus actually goes ahead and does it. They would much rather send them away. So what's going on here? We've got desolate place. We've got sheep without a shepherd. We've got someone feeding people miraculously. Right? And what does this sound like? And if you know, if you know the Hebrew Bible at all, if you know the Old Testament, this should start ringing some bells for you. It's okay if it doesn't, but it might ring some bells. This is very intentionally, Mark is drawing on Old Testament imagery. This sounds like people wandering in a desolate place who are hungry. And this is the Exodus story, right? Mark's pulling us back to the Exodus story. He's saying, what happened in Exodus? Well, God calls Israel out of a place, out of Egypt, and they're wandering around the wilderness. He enters into new relationship with them, right? It's a new thing. They're discovering what it means to be in covenant with God. They get hungry, and they start complaining to Moses and Aaron, which is just peak human behavior, right? <laughs> Don't like what's happening in my life. I'm going to complain to somebody about it. And God miraculously, compassionately feeds them with bread from heaven. All right? This is what Yahweh does to his people. This is part of their story. The people who are hungry are fed in the desert by God. Right? This is his compassion. And uh, Moses in Exodus, there's a part just after the feeding of the, with the manna, the bread from heaven, where he goes and sees Jeth- Jethro, and Jethro helps him organize people. And one of the ways they organize people is into groups of 50s and 100s. And at the end of Moses' life, Moses prays to God and says, don't leave my people to be like sheep without a shepherd. Right? And what's Jesus say when he sees these people? They're like sheep without a shepherd. Right? So Mark is very, it's very cool. Mark's not doing it to just be like, I'm a neat author, right? He's intentionally drawing our imaginations back to the Exodus. And he's saying, it's God, it's Yahweh who fed his people in the desert. Who's feeding the people now in the desolate place? The people who are like sheep without a shepherd. It's Jesus. And what does that tell you about who Jesus is? Right? This is God. This is God himself. Right? And remember how we said the whole first half of Mark is about who is Jesus? What's his identity? So Mark set this up for us to tell us very clearly, this is Yahweh among us, in the flesh. And I can't help but think of the, the Christmas carol, right? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Here's God now with us. Emmanuel, God with us right here. Right here. And I think Mark's also drawing a little bit on Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 verse 12 says this. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, right? When he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. This is God's heart for people, folks. is to rescue scattered, lost people. This is you and me. This is, we're sheep. This is us. God's come to rescue us. This is his heart. It's a lost people that Jesus sees and he says, I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to rescue them. This is Jesus, but this is God. Right? It's a, it's a very kind of great I am moment. Folks, God's present to meet us in the desolate places in our lives. And I don't know what that is for you. But my guess is there's some of us here that feel a little bit lost. Like maybe life is 
not uh, as full of life and joy as it once was. It feels like a desolate place. And if that's you, if you feel that way, or in your own heart, you feel like you have been far from God, maybe you've never made a commitment to God, um, you're like a sheep scattered. And God wants to invite you home and invite you into relationship with him uh, and into his love and into his mercy and into his grace. That's God's heart for us, folks, for each and every one of us. He loves you just as you are. Just as you are. And he wants to call you to himself. And I know I need to be reminded of that. You know, I've been a Christian for a while. I need to be reminded that God actually, really, really actually does love me. <laughs> me. Like, I'm not very exciting, you know. I'm not that special. But he actually still loves me. Me. You. Us. Really. Really. Us. Yes. Yeah. Really. This is the truth of the gospel, folks. What else do we notice about this? So all these amazing Old Testament connections, right? God feeding his people, loving his people, the scatteredness of people, bringing them back to himself, the heart of the gospel for us. Fantastic, brilliant, awesome. The other thing that I think is so neat here is not only does Jesus have compassion on the lost, on the people, right? He feeds them and teaches them, which is important. Um, sometimes the church can really emphasize the social justice aspect of living out the mission of God, right? The compassion, feed the people, that part. And can shy away from speaking the truth of the gospel, right? Sometimes we can be so uh, almost like Bible thumping by speaking the truth of the gospel, we don't care about people's physical needs. Do you see, do you see the... You can be really compassionate but not speak the gospel, or you can speak the gospel and, and not care about people. Jesus brings both together. He brings both together. It's so important for the mission of the church and for you and, and in your own life, right? It's not just people's spiritual needs. It's people's physical needs too. The two come together in Jesus. Anyway, the second thing I wanted to say about all this is Jesus involves the disciples the whole time. These are guys who don't, don't want to do it. They don't get it. And yet Jesus still gets them to take part in his mission to these people. And folks, this is our calling as well. God wants to invite you into his mission in the world. He calls us to participate in what he wants to do in Dryden, in Canada, whatever that might be. He invites us to do it. So not only is God uh, satisfying the spiritual and physical hunger of people, he loves us, loves us, loves us. But then he invites us as disciples, his church, to take part in, in feeding the people. Jesus does the miracle of feeding the 5,000, but he gets the disciples to be part of, of doing it. Do you see how that works? He invites them into it. In Jesus' mind, he's saying, these are my people, right? I'm the shepherd who will lead them. This is, this is the mission field. This is what I've come to do. The exact opposite thing would be to send the people away, right? That would be the worst thing to do. It would be the exact opposite of what Jesus has come to do. And the irony, I think, is that the disciples should know this because what were they just doing? They were just on this short-term missions trip, right? And what did they have to do? They had to rely on the hospitality of other people, right? They couldn't bring anything with them, right? They have to rely on God opening people's hearts, strangers' hearts, to let them come in and feed them. And now the table's turned, and the people are coming to the disciples, and they should be doing what they were just taught to do, which is to show hospitality. And what do they do? Send them away, <laughs> right? 
Don't want them. They should know this. Right? That's why Jesus is saying, you do it. If you love them, you do it. You do it. (laughs) Disciples say, it's too hard. It's too hard. It's impossible, right? I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I can't do it. I think there's a fear of failure, right? We can't pull this off. This is impossible, Jesus. The mission you've put in front of us feels impossible. How can we do it? And folks, he wants to teach them all about his power and his grace for mission. Because the point is, they can't do it on their own. That's the whole point. But they can do it in Jesus. The mission seems impossible without Jesus. But he's right there in it. And so the right response isn't, send them away, I don't want to do it. The right response should have been, okay, show me how. I don't know how to feed 5,000 people. Men, it's likely around 20,000, right, with women and children. So Jesus, the need is huge. I have no idea how to do this. This is like me every Sunday morning. (laughs) It's huge. I have no idea how to do this. I can't do it on my own. Right? Yeah, I might have some, you and I have some natural talents and abilities that can help with this or that or the other thing. But overall, Jesus, I can't do this. But you are calling me to do it. Therefore, I can say, okay, God, okay, if you're calling me, I have no idea what to do. Show me how to do it. Lord, I need your grace and your wisdom to do this. I don't know how to do it. Show me how to do it. Folks, the amazing thing here is that Jesus doesn't give up on them. He puts them to work. He gets them to see what food they have, right? So he kind of gets them involved, gets them to get the people seated seated down, right? They don't get it. They're still doing it. They don't get it the whole time. But Jesus, even though he's got these disciples who have just don't understand and would much rather not be much rather have their rest right now. Thank you very much, Jesus. He doesn't cast them aside. He still involves them. He still involves them. These guys who should have known better, right? Despite their lack of faith, despite their just having learned this and now not being able to live it out, he still invites them and involves them in his mission. These are not super qualified people, super energetic people. These are tired people who don't get what he wants to do. And yet he still involves them in his mission. So not only does Jesus have abundant compassion for all the people with their spiritual hunger and their physical hunger, right? The the sheep without a shepherd, all of that, God caring for us and coming to save us and feeding us and rescuing us from sin and death. Not only does he have abundant compassion but he has abundant grace. Abundant grace for people that love him and follow him, but don't often do it very well. Right? Abundant grace for disciples of Jesus who often miss it, who often don't get it, right? Who often would much rather do something else. He doesn't give up on them. Yes, it's an amazing miracle. Absolutely feeds these people, right? But I don't think that's the main point of the passage, at least in Mark's mind. 
In Mark's mind, this is about Jesus still loves these disciples even when they fail him. Folks, God calls us into mission. Just like he calls the disciples, he calls us, right? Calls us to look beyond the walls of our own church, right? To the needs of our city, to your neighbors, the people in your life or your family that need to know who Jesus is. He calls us into mission to live out the gospel. And it's really hard. It can feel really impossible. It can feel like trying to feed 5,000 people sometimes, right? 20,000 people. It can feel really difficult to do that. It can feel hard as a church to know how do we meet the needs in our city? What do we do? How do we do this? But the, the wrong response would be, Jesus, it's too hard. Send them away. Help them figure it out on their own. That's the wrong response. The right response to tremendous need is to say, okay, Jesus, show us how to do it. Show us how to do it. We don't know what to do. But Lord, your grace is sufficient. Show us what to do. Show us how to do it. Help us to be compassionate like you. Instead of sending someone away, but to welcome them in. It can feel really impossible. But abundant, abundant grace. Folks, even when you fail, when I fail, when we don't believe, Jesus doesn't give up on you. Even when you're struggling with sin, he doesn't give up on you. There's abundant grace for us, folks, and he still calls us and he still strengthens us. We say, Jesus, show us how to do it. And what's neat, I think, is we get at the end of this passage, if you flip over to verse 53 uh, to 56, we get this kind of little bit of an epilogue, right? So we've got the, the 5,000 the, the walking on water, which I'm going to touch on briefly in just a minute. And then you get this kind of epilogue with Jesus healing people. And the emphasis is that everyone's bringing people, right? Bringing all the sick. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as were touched were made well. We get Jesus healing these people at the end of this immense day. Right? It seems like this is all one day. The, the feeding, the walking on water, now this healing ministry time. That even to touch the fringe of Jesus' gar- garment, there's abundant, abundant grace. Isn't that neat? It's still emphasizing the sheer grace of God towards us. Now, what do we do with the walking on water? Very quickly, how does that fit in with feeding the 5,000? Because it does. It has the exact same themes, if you think about it. There's the call to mission, and there's the grace for the task. He immediately sends them out in the boat, right? Jesus sends them. Again, this is another sending. Verse 45, Jesus sends them in the boat. It's like, come on, go. (laughs) Get in the boat. You didn't get to feeding the 5,000? All right, get in the boat. Off you go. Off they go. Jesus watches them struggle in the headwind. I think that's kind of interesting. Jesus is on the beach watching them struggle. They're just having a real time of it, right? Jesus says, okay. So he goes out to meet them. Boom, boom, boom. Walking on the water. Zoom, zoom, right? Off he goes. And then you get this weird line, weird line. He's obviously en route to them. You know, he's going to them. But you get this weird line, verse 48. 
right? He saw they're making headway painfully. <laughs> These are fishermen, right? This should not happen. So it, they're having a hard go. He's making headway painfully. Where am I? I can't find it now. There it is. The wind was against them. But the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking by the sea, and he meant to pass by them. What? Meant to pass by them? What's that about? <laughs> that seems really weird. And this is where I, I really appreciate what, what uh, Aaron, my pastor, back in Vancouver, mentioned about this. And he said, and I think I agree with him, he said, this feels like Old Testament imagery again. Where have you had, especially because we've just been reminded of this with the feeding of the 5,000 and the manna connection, right? When has God been passing by someone? And that can seem kind of vague, but there's a key moment in the Exodus story, right? Do you remember what it is? Some of you, some of you are going, oh, yeah, right. I know. There's this moment where Moses is praying for God to show him his glory. And God goes, it's too much, you'll die, first of all, because it's too good and awesome. My glory is like the sun, right? You get too close, it'll, you'll, you'll be done. The toast. However, if I hide you in this little cleft and I kind of put my hand over you, I'll pass by you and you'll see my back and you'll see my glory and that, you know, that'll be enough. Your face will shine for days afterwards. You know, you can, you can manage that, Moses, I think. You can't stand God's sheer glory, but, you know, you'll get a little picture of this. Anyway, it's a picture of God meeting Moses. And it's a revelation of God's grace to Moses as well. And I think that's, that's what Aaron was saying. I think he's right. I think that's what Mark's getting at here is Jesus is doing a bit of an I am moment where he's meaning to pass by them, right? Meaning to show them his glory is a bit of what that means. Um, but what's the difference? So that's the parallel is God revealing his glory, his sheer glory. But now you have to think, okay, but how does Mark, how is this different in the gospel? Where God passes by Moses Jesus gets in the boat with them. How cool is that, right? That's the difference. Jesus gets in the boat with them. And again, I can't help but think, veiled in flesh, veiled, right? They can take the glory now because it's veiled in flesh. The Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's going on. And then he calms the storm again right? And they still don't get it. <laughs> They're still hard-hearted about it. You know, folks, it's easy to, it's really easy when we hear, you know, God loves you and God forgives you. It's easy, too easy, I think, and I do this too, is to say, yeah, okay, but not really, <laughs> right? That's really nice, but I don't know if I totally believe it. He really forgives me. He really does. He really does. But folks, there's abundant grace, abundant grace for you in your sin, abundant grace to be cleansed and healed and made whole. And just think of how Jesus you know, carries on with these guys who are just useless in some ways, right? They just don't get it. And yet Jesus persistently comes after them and shows them his love and doesn't give up on them. Folks, I need to be so reminded of that. Because <laughs> that's me. That's me. That God lovingly comes after me when I don't deserve it.
So to wrap it all up, folks, do you know the abundant compassion of God? The God who feeds the 5,000 and more. (laughs) The God who wants to, to satisfy your deepest spiritual longings, right? And the one who cares about your physical needs as well. Do you know him? And if you do, as his disciple, are you, are you ready? And do you have an attitude that says, yes, I'm going to go and join you, Lord, in that mission to care well for people with compassion? Is my attitude, yes, Lord, show me how to the great need in front of us. And that's my prayer as a church, is our attitude be, Lord, show us how to a great need in our town. Great need in our town. Lord, show us how to do it. And not, Lord, it's too hard. We don't have the money or whatever, right? Make up excuses. We don't have the resources. We don't have whatever. But Lord, show us how. Abundant compassion, but also abundant grace. Because he loves us. He loves us. And even when we fail him or we think we've made a mess of things, he still comes after us and he still gets in the boat with us. (laughs) He still loves us. So my call for us today is this. Would we, would we know the abundant compassion of God and may we know the abundant grace of God? May we join in on the mission he has for us. And if you've never known the grace of God, the abundant grace of God in your life for your sin, my prayer is that you would repent today and come to him and say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to live this on my own. I don't know how to do it. I've made a mess of it. There's moments I tried and it seemed okay, but in the end, it's not, it's, not, it's not great. Say, Jesus, I need you. And he has abundant grace for you. Where is he sending you? To whom is he sending you? Who needs to know the abundant grace of God this week in your life? And when that opportunity or that moment or that situation, maybe it's to your kids, right? <laughs> the abundant grace, oh Lord, you know? whatever it might be to whoever it might be when that situation comes will we say it's too hard or will we say lord show us the way and when i fail and my heart's not in the right place lord not only do i need your compassion for this need but i need to know your grace for my life to live for you all right let's pray to that end lord we are so thankful for your grace and your compassion jesus without this We would be so lost. And Lord, I thank you that you care about our spiritual needs and you care about our physical needs. And Lord, I just pray most of all for each and every one of us here that we would know your heart as a compassionate father over us. Lord, that you love us, that you, Jesus, went to the cross for our sin and you died in our place. And you rose again, Lord, so that we could know your forgiveness and your life forever Lord there is such an immense need before us to love our city well Lord to love one another well even those who sit here in this building Lord and uh, Jesus the need is huge and Lord sometimes in our hearts it's easier to say someone else handle it I don't want to do it it's too much it's too hard But Lord, you still invite us into your mission. Even when it is hard. 
Because we need to be reminded, Lord, that it's not by our strength, but all by your grace. And so, Lord, over each and every one of your people here today, I pray a deeper uh, experience of your compassion, your abundant compassion, and your abundant grace. Lord, that as we head into this week, whatever it brings, whatever comes our way, Jesus, we would have uh, ears and hearts and spirits open to hear how you would invite us to engage with love and compassion and mercy. Lord, where are you sending us? And Lord, we even pray over us as a church, Jesus, that you would give us a heart of compassion. Lord, that you would uh, foster a culture of compassion in our church, Jesus, that would seek to love the neighbor well. Lord, as we look at our city and we look at um, all sorts of issues, Lord, that we could get into, that we could pray over. Lord, from, from drugs and alcohol to uh, marriages and, and families and children and all the rest of it, Lord. All the places where there's need. Lord, we look to you. May we not get overwhelmed by the need but receive your abundant grace and compassion and your direction and wisdom to know how to live out your gospel well and to minister to those around us. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?